What's up? Welcome back to Adorn Podcast. We're on episode 58, and today we're going to be teaching on chapter 1 of Ephesians. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Adorned Podcast. We're your hosts, Erin and Casey. We would love for you to come join us each week as we discuss what it means to be made beautiful by God's Word. Whether you are a college student walking to class, a mom folding laundry during nap time, or a boss babe sitting in rush hour traffic, we hope that we can encourage and inspire you to pursue a deeper understanding of the Bible. So, we're picking up where we left off last week with that intro. Um, like we said, we're going to pretty much go verse by verse, um, through this epistle. And so we're going to start in chapter one or verse. Well, yeah. Chapter one and verse one. one. You want to read? So chapter one says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is just reminding us it's an epistle. It's written by Paul to the church of Ephesus, but also to us. Us too. Yep. And as we go into verse three, we're going to see that verses three through 14 is like one big run on sentence. This is one of my favorite things about that when I learned that, because I like, I can totally relate when I get real excited Mm -hmm. or like real worked up, like on my soapbox, I'm like, like you can't stop. (laughs) Word vomit. Yeah. That's how I picture Paul Mm -hmm. here. Like he's so excited and he wants people to understand this so badly that he's like, I'm not even going to stop to breathe. Mm -hmm. Like it's that important that I'm just going to say it all at the same time. And it just gets me so excited because yes. we're about to get into some really good stuff. Lots of good stuff. So moving on to verse three, blessed be the God and the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So before, before we go on with the rest of this run on sentence, um, this caught my attention. I was reading it like spiritual blessings. Like, what does that mean? That's we can come up with what we think that means, right? Like, ooh, every spiritual blessing, that means I'm going to get the car I want and the job I want and the kids I want. And that's we'll see exactly what Paul actually means when he's talking about um, spiritual blessings. And as we go on through these next few verses, really keep your ears open for repetitive things. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this with the other books that we've gone through. Anytime something is repeated, it should catch our attention. So really try to pay attention to words like chosen, loved, um, and then, th- you know, things that describe mm-hmm. our position with Christ or our identity, like chosen and loved, and then things that talk about why. Yeah. So his purpose, his will, his glory. So kind of keep those things that lens in mind as we, as we keep reading. Moving on, verses four through six. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. So I like this as we walk through these next um, or this first section of Ephesians 1, we very clearly see the Trinity. Mm -hmm. And so back in verse 3, we see where it said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here we're seeing the Father and we're Mm -hmm. seeing that the Father is the one that initiates. There's a lot going on in this text, but I think um, having kind of a main point or like a driving understanding will help us. So something we want to pay attention to here that we're noticing through all these verses is that we are created because of his love, as we see, you know, in through these verses and through the rest that we'll read, but because of his love and for his glory. So because of love for glory, and we're going to spend a lot of time kind of breaking down what that actually means as we continue to go through this chapter, but it's a good um, kind of foundation for us to hold on to when we hear, you know, 
a lot of words to kind of summarize them into we're created because of love for glory. So the first thing we need to note when we're thinking about that is we're created because of love. So it's telling us how loved and chosen we are. Um, do you have a Do you have a personal story about wanting to be chosen or wanting to be loved? So when I think about this, I just I go back to high school, right? <laughs> I right? think we all do yeah, when we think school. about this. And there's so many examples from wanting to be chosen to be on someone's specific like cheerleading team or mm-hmm. a sports team. I think mm-hmm. about like standing there, like in uh, even elementary school, and you're like picking teams yeah, or whatever. So and it's like, the last pick one. me, pick me. Actually, I wanted to be the last. I just didn't want to play, so I'm like, <laughs> just don't pick me and let me go pick flowers out in the field and oh my gosh. Um, so I it's a little bit that. different <laughs> but I'm way too competitive for that I don't like games um but then I think about you know moving on into like high school and I think about like wanting to be chosen by boys mm-hmm. like you know we're we have the specific crush that we have our mind and our heart set on and we're like just pick me just pick yeah. me and so there's just this um desire that's born into us to want to be chosen and yeah. to want to be loved and we see this perfectly fulfilled mm-hmm. in and how God chose us in love. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I mean, it says that right in verse four, right? He chose us in him before the foundation of the world, which is crazy. And a lot of people get caught up on that um, for different reasons. But if you think about it, how incredibly loving is that? That before the foundation of the world, he chose us in love. Um, And as we're talking about these different ways that, you know, we have ingrained in us that we want to be chosen, we want to be picked, we want to be loved. And and that desire can truly only be met in Christ. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, you got picked for the cheer team. And then you're like, okay, well, now I want to be chosen for something else. Like it's never, yeah, it's never um, fully satisfying. And God is the only one who can satisfy that desire. Um, what else about about being chosen do you like? It says that we should be holy and blameless before him. And uh, I liked that the word blameless comes from Old Testament word is momus, I think is how you say it. <laughs> and it's a word for an unblemished sacrifice. And so when we look at this, we see that he chose us not because we are holy and blameless, mm-hmm. but so we could be holy and blameless. Mm-hmm. And the way that we're holy and blameless is through Jesus's sacrifice because mm-hmm. we are not that unblemished sacrifice. Right. But as we talked about before, we have Jesus's in- imputed righteousness. And so because of him, because his blood covers us, now we are seen as that unblemished sacrifice. Yeah. And so that's what he's talking about when he says that we're holy and blameless. Doesn't that make you think back to Noah and mm-hmm. to Abraham? Oh yeah. Where we for see sure. the same, we mm-hmm. see the same, the same things. Yeah. So yeah. Going back to that main foundational statement that we are created because of his love and for his glory. We see, you know, we just talked about how loved and chosen we are. And then when talking about, okay, we're created for his glory, um, or it also says for his purpose and for his will, we have to remind ourselves that um, we are we are loved and we are chosen, and then we find out why we are created. So these two things work together. They're not like over here you're loved and over here there's glory. Like they're very intertwined. Um, and glory is kind of this Christianese it word, is. right? Yeah. It's very much, I feel like people always assume that you know what it mm-hmm. means or like that they know what it means, but there's no real root for, for that. Mm-hmm. So I think um, John Piper does a good job of describing this. And so it's a little bit long, his definition, but I'm going to reread the last sentence when we get there because I think that defines it the best. So what he says is, the glory of God is the beauty and excellence of his manifold perfections. It is an attempt to put into words what God is like in his magnificence and purity. 
It refers to his infinite and overflowing fullness of all that is good. God's glory is the perfect harmony of all of his attributes into one infinitely beautiful and personal being. So that last sentence, God's glory is the perfect harmony of all his attributes into one infinitely beautiful and personal being. Mm. So hopefully that helps a little bit. Um, if you're like, well, what are his attributes? We have a great study on that or a great do. series on that. We so do. feel free to go back and listen to those um, to kind of help understand what those attributes are. But another way that I thought was kind of helpful, I, I did not come up with this analogy. So I've mentioned on here that um, when Taylor and I were engaged and Taylor became a Christian, we first thing we did was take this intense doctrine and theology mm-hmm. class. And um, it was fantastic. We've been, we went back and told the pastor who taught it like, hey, you need to publish this because it is so good. And so he gives this analogy. Um, I tweak it a little bit because you'll see. But um, <laughs> what he says is that, um, think about your favorite movie or your favorite song. So I'm going to take song for an example. Um, one song that I think is just incredibly beautiful and very glorious is this song So Will I by Hillsong. Um, the lyrics are insane. It's just so good. And so what he says is if if they would have written this song, this masterpiece, I think he used like Beethoven or like, you yeah. know, like a real, well, okay. Hillsong could be a real masterpiece. Don't get yes. me wrong. But if they had written the song, say Hillsong wrote this song, it's genius. It's beautiful. The lyrics are amazing. And if they just sang it themselves and just sang it to God, it would still have been just as amazing, just as creative, mm-hmm. just as glorious. Yeah. We just wouldn't get to share in that. Right. So um, when we think about this, uh, how we're created for God's glory, what that means is just like they shared that song with us. It didn't make the song more glorious, mm-hmm. but it allowed us to share and be a part of mm-hmm. that glory. So I think that analogy, it helps a little bit. It's not its not perfect, but um, just like when they shared that song, it's the fact of sharing it that you know made its glory known and mm-hmm. became a blessing for others to be enjoyed. Um, in a similar way, again, not exactly the same, but God is full of glory within the Trinity without us, but because of his love, he created us so that his glory could be known and enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's Does good. that kind of make sense? Yes. Okay. And the fact that we get to be a part of that, yes. like we get to show his yes. glory to others. Like that just blows my mind because that's such a gift. Yeah. Um, I like how John Stott says it too. He says to live to the praise of the glory of his grace is both to worship him ourselves by our words and deeds as the gracious God he is and to cause others to see and to praise him too. Mm. So that goes along the same lines yeah. of just showing others how glorious God is. Right. Um, yeah. So where else do we see this idea that we were created for God's glory in scripture? I mean, technically, we can go back to Genesis yeah. since we just talked Everywhere. about this and just study this. We see it um, all the way back to Adam and Eve, right? He created not out of a need, not out of a lack, not out of a want, but um, out of an overflow of this love and glory. And so we see that through, like I said, Adam and Eve. We see it through Noah, Abraham, all the way up to Christ, all the way up to today. Um, We see specifically in Isaiah 43, 7, it says, um, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory. And then, you know, there's other verses that are similar, like in 1 Corinthians, it talks about whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. It also says something similar in Colossians. So just this this reminder of, you know, our identity and our purpose is rooted in bringing God glory. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, one of my favorite Bible verses is Matthew 5, 16, and it says, let your light 
so shine among men that they may see your good deeds and give glory to your Father in heaven. I love that verse because this is going to be a little bit of a tangent here. But I think there's a lot of times where people say, you know, stay small, stay quiet, yeah. stay, you know, and there is merit to that. And there is a time and a season for that. But I think we shy away sometimes from using the gifts God has given us because we think we're going to come across self-seeking mm-hmm. or seeking our own glory. But this, this verse doesn't say don't shine your light. It says shine your light so that others can see and give glory to God in heaven. So anyways, that's a little tangent. And soapbox right there. you never know who but you're going to inspire or spur right. on to further pursue right. like their relationship with Jesus. Like you just yeah. don't know. And so, yeah, yeah absolutely. So this, this can be kind of offensive, right? I mean, Lydia finds it offensive. She did. She said, why does God want all the glory for himself? Isn't he using us? I was like, oh, man. And that's, I mean, I feel like that's a totally fair, legitimate mm-hmm. question. Yeah. Like, I think that this this idea that we were created for a glory can come across very much that way. Like, oh, well, if you just had kids for your own glory, like you would be like, well, that's kind of selfish. Right. Mm-hmm. But we have to remember that God is not human. He no. he can't be selfish. And there's a really great um, John Piper sermon on this, which we'll link in the notes, um, and kind of helps break this down in a really practical, understanding way. And what um, John Piper says about this, he says that God is the one being in all the universe for whom seeking his own praise is ultimately a loving act. For him, sec- self-exaltation is the highest virtue. When he does all things, and then this is quoting from Ephesians, for the praise of his glory, as Ephesians 1 says, he preserves for us and offers to us the only thing in the world which can satisfy our longings. God is for us and therefore has been, is now, and will always be for himself. So I feel like that that doesn't fully uh, help us grasp it, but I think it does help us understand that God knows that he is the one who can satisfy us. He Mm -hmm. is the one who um, can redeem us. He is the only one who can give us purpose since he's the one who created us. So in that, the best thing for us is him. Is him. So it's really a loving thing. Yes. Yeah. Which is still kind of a hard concept to grasp so don't feel like you have to just accept that and move on like if this is something that you're wrestling with wrestle with it Mm -hmm. like we talked about with Genesis like just because something doesn't make sense or offends you don't just like push past it and don't even just immediately accept it like wrestle with God like Jacob did yeah and and that's okay God wants you to come with to him with Mm -hmm. those things yeah so how do we glorify God? Let's sing the song. How do you <laughs> glorify God? Um, so the catechism that we do with my kids, I wonder if yours has a different answer. I, you know, I can't remember if we've gotten to this okay. question in the New City Catechism, but the okay. Westminster Catechism, we, we did learn this part for it. And it says, by loving him and doing what he commands. Which we, we do this question. I mean, we're way past this in the catechism, yeah. but we do this question like almost every day because... I feel like it's it's such a great reminder for us because it can feel very overwhelming. Like, okay, mm-hmm. we know now, we understand from what we just talked about, our purpose is to glorify God. We were created because of love for glory. So how do we walk like? in that? Yeah. yeah, it can be super overwhelming. But I love how the catechism, especially for kids, makes it real simple. So simple. Okay, you love him and you do what he commands. Yep. 
Okay. So simple. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Piper says, um, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. This idea is called Christian hedonism. You don't need to know the name, but if you want to sound smart at the next dinner party you go to, you can say, hey, I know what Christian hedonism means. And it's what his whole book, Desiring God, is about. Yeah. So that's a good one. Yeah. I'm, so. I'm working my way through it. It's <laughs> not, not an easy read, right. but yeah. Yeah. So he is most glorified uh, in us when we're most satisfied in him. So then we go back to that that same thing when we were talking about we want to be chosen, we want to be loved, and God is the only one who can satisfy that. And so by satisfying that, he's getting glory. So it works together. It's mm-hmm. all it's all tied together. And and here's kind of a point where we can maybe take, you know, uh, some self reflection and um, ask ourselves like, are we satisfied in God or in Christ alone? Um, and you might automatically just go, yeah, of course I am, because everything is good in my life right now. Or, you know, but if we if we stop and think, like, what about money? What about owning a home or being in shape or looking good or having the right friends or having the newest car? You know, are those things that you find your satisfaction or your identity in? None of those things are sinful or wrong in and of themselves. But when we find our satisfaction in them, then we're, we're potentially taking glory away that's due to God. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah. I think that this is such a hard balance to find. Mm-hmm. I think that... Um, these things are good. Yeah. And, and like we've said before, you know, Jesus came that we may have life and have it abundantly. Right. And um, we can enjoy the good gifts. And um, but learning how to enjoy those good gifts and also still give God the glory yes. for it. It's hard because our sinful natures push us away from that. Mm-hmm. And we want all the glory for ourselves. Right. And we, we want to think we earned it. Mm-hmm, yeah. yeah. And so it's tough. Um, but yeah, I think that just, I think satisfaction is a good word. And I think also contentment is mm-hmm. a good word. And we looked mm-hmm. at that when we studied um, Philippians and, you know, talking about Paul, he's one of the most content guys in the Bible, you know, um, and just living in, in the here and now, I think that's Mm -hmm. a big piece of it too. Just, um, being content with what God's given you right now and not always saying, I need more, I need more, I need more. I think that is truly being satisfied in, in God and, um, and what he's given you right now. So yeah, those are just some some of my thoughts, but I think it's tough. I think it's, I think it's a hard balance, especially in our culture. Right. Right. I agree. I completely agree. I think um, we just need to check check your heart, mm-hmm. right? Check your heart. Because I agree. I think there's kind of this swing that, you know, is like don't find any joy in anything because then you're taking that glory away from God. Right. I don't think mm-hmm. that – I think that's a little extreme. I think like, it is too, yeah. I think it's okay to be excited to, mm-hmm. you know, go on a trip with your family Absolutely. and things like that. Yes. So. We're not saying like poverty gospel or anything here. That's not our heart at all. But just reminding yourself like to hold things open handedly and that if those things do not happen, you can still find your um, contentment or satisfaction in God. And so just a good little place to check is like, do you find your satisfaction in the creator or in the creation? So just a little, little gut check Mm -hmm. there. Um, So I think um, let's keep going. Let's keep going because we're like 20 minutes in and we're only on verse five. Oh, yeah, <laughs> we should probably keep moving. Okay, so another thing to note in this passage is the word predestination. Dun, dun, dun. I know, I was about to do that. Then I was like, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't. Okay, so in verse five and six, it says, He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. 
Hmm. Big topics. Big, Big topics. topics to tackle here. If you get stuck on that word, if you're like, oh, I've heard this word before. It's so bad. Or you get <laughs> stuck on it where you're like, oh, yes, this is the whole gospel. Like there, there is a healthy way to view, yes. you know, these doctrines and these big words. Um, I think a good place to start is to really understand what the word actually means. So take it all the way back um, to what the actual root word is. Um, and it's pro reason. Pro reason. <laughs> I, I really listened to it a billion times so I could say it. Now I forget. Pro Pro And it means to determine or decide beforehand, foreordained, or appoint beforehand. So it's pretty much exactly what the Bible says. The Bible says. Yes. (laughs) Um, And I think in Gloria Foreman's book, um, she has a book uh, going through Ephesians called Alive in Him. And she says, predestination is not about God collecting humans because he thinks they'd make nice robots to fill his heavenly warehouses. Which a lot of people, that's what they think when they hear the word predestination. They're saying that's not what it's about. She says, far from it. The biblical picture of predestination describes the intentions of a loving father who predestined us for adoptions as sons because he wanted to, and then quotes, according to the purpose of his will, so that grace would be enjoyed and magnified. And I I really like how she breaks that down because she's like, it's not what your automatic thought is Uh when you hear the word. I think a lot of times we like to focus on the negative. Right. But if he chose some, that means he didn't choose others. Like that's that's not what it's about. Right. Right. That's really good. That's really good. Um, there's a, a sermon I listened to by Sinclair Ferguson, which if you haven't listened to him before, he's just so fun to listen to. He's a Scottish guy and he's so smart and so good, but he just has a fun accent too. So she um, just likes the guys with accents. I do. They're just easier <laughs> for me to listen to. Cause it's like, it's, I don't know, different <laughs> anyway. So Ferguson makes that same argument as, as Furman. She's saying that the point of election, which is just another word. Can you say that's an equal word for predestination? I think it is. Ooh, I yeah, think I think about it this. is. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So um, that election or predestination is is the fruit of God's love and of God's grace. I thought that was a good way to think mm-hmm. about it, is the fruit of his love and in his grace. Um, he also talks about in this in this passage, like Casey's saying, we automatically tend to focus on the negative or, you know, ourselves in the situation. And what he he kind of asks you to take a step back and think about how we tend to look at things from our perspective. So we would say, starting with ourselves, well, I have free will, and then try to figure out how God's sovereignty or his free will then fits into mine, which is quite backwards if we think about it, because we didn't create this. God did. So we should look from his lens. So instead of saying, well, if I have free will, then what does God's look like? Flip that and shift your focus and say, you know, look at how many times this text is saying according to his will, for his purpose, um, all of those things. So we need to shift our focus first to God and his will and his sovereignty and what his definition of election and predestination is, and then try to figure out what that means for us and our free will. But like we've mentioned on here a bunch of times, where the divine meets humanity, there's always mystery. So when we look from God's perspective, it doesn't mean all of a sudden we're going to perfectly understand what that means as far as what our free will looks like or what that predestination looks like. It's not like all of a sudden a light bulb's going to go off and everything's going to make sense. But it does give us a healthier perspective mm-hmm. if we don't try to say, well, here's my position now. Fit God into there somewhere. Instead saying, this is who God is. Yeah. And, you know, theologians don't even agree on this. Like, they, right. they this is even mystery to people that have spent years yes. of their lives studying yeah. this. So this is is not something that I think we'll ever understand perfectly. But even though there are many differing views on this, I think one thing that 
most of us can, can agree yeah, on. I guess at we least. should never say all. People. I think most of us um, can agree that it's initiated that salvation is initiated by God's redeeming love and then we respond. So like I mentioned earlier, like the father initiates. So it's the Mm -hmm. father that initiates Mm -hmm. and then we respond. Yeah. And like Casey was saying, confusion is a natural part of this, um, this whole process of understanding what does it mean when it says we were chosen before the foundation of the earth? What does it mean that we're predestined to be sons and daughters? Like this is, a lot of times we have to walk through, I think it's Jen Wilkin that talks about this, like we need to walk through the confusion mm-hmm. before we can actually get to a, a full understanding. Um, not that we ever get to a completely full understanding, but um, reminding ourselves that, you know, God is outside of time and space and he is the creator of all. And so we can't expect to fully understand this. But but I want to encourage you, like, don't let that stop you from trying. Just like we oh, mentioned yeah. earlier, if, if something offends you, if something piques your interest, if the Holy Spirit is like highlighting something to you, keep studying that. Keep um, searching your scriptures first and then also, you know, listen to other theologians, read books. We, you know, we always want to recommend starting with scripture. But um, let let the Lord really speak to you and try to teach you about mm-hmm. himself through through this. So. Yeah, there were just a couple of little, I guess, maybe misconceptions that I wanted Mm -hmm. to touch on a little bit about predestination. So the first thing is that it's not something that some theologian just came up with. Like this is not a John Calvin came up with predestination Mm -hmm. or or Martin Luther, you know, any of these people like this is or Augustine, you know, you commonly hear that like this is in the Bible. Like we just read out of Ephesians to you the about how it's in the Bible. So it's it's a biblical term. It is not just something that um, a theologian came up with. So I think that's important to remember. And um, then another thing is a lot of times I think the word predestination is associated with, um, oh, well, then you don't believe in evangelizing. Oh, yeah. And it's it, or even um, you can just live however you want because you're predestined before the foundation of the world to be chosen by God. Mm. And so does it really matter if you sin? And these these are not it's not an excuse not to sin or or it's not an excuse to sin or to not evangelize. Um, But instead, this should just push us towards Mm -hmm. sanctification. Mm -hmm. And also, it's not a reason to boast because it's not of our own doing and it's solely because of grace. Like we are not chosen because of any merit, because of anything that we've done. Just like I said, we are not chosen because we are holy and blameless. We are holy and blameless because we are chosen. And so um, I think that this is important to remember. And I think that this kind of helps me when when I've gotten stuck in the past on, but what about the people that aren't chosen? What about, you know... um, when I when I kind of get into that negative cycle of uh-huh. thinking about it, I just think about the fact that none of us deserve to be chosen at all. Right. So the fact that God has chosen to save any of us at all is just purely out of his love and out of his grace mm-hmm. because we all deserve eternal death right. because we're all sinners right. and none of us would choose him on our own. Yeah. So I think that's really good. I'll just add a little bit onto that. Like, like you're saying, it's so that there's no way we can boast. Like, like we talked about last week in that book that I'm reading, humble Calvinism, like there should not be this arrogant Calvinism. We're not going to be able to get into Calvinism, but there shouldn't be this arrogance of, Oh, well I believe in predestination and I'm predestined. So I'm better or anything like that. That should not not be. I mean, that's the opposite. And Ferguson talks about, you know, like if that is your stance, you don't fully understand it. Mm -mm. Like you have a Mm -mm. shallow understanding of what predestination is. And then one more, just kind of like caveat that, it's talked about in both that humble Calvinism book and the um, Ferguson sermon that I listened to is that we have to remember that 
predestination is not the the whole gospel. Like Jesus coming and dying on the cross is the gospel. Yes. And where where um I think he said I can't remember who he said, but they say that predestination helps us to understand the gospel um, in one respect. It is not the gospel itself. And so reminding ourselves, like, yes, this is something that we should truly study and seek to understand because it tells us more about who God is and why he's worthy of our worship and how big and amazing he is and how much he loves. But at the same time, it's not where we need to root our faith and it's not where we need to spend all of our time when discipling others. Um, So just a reminder that it is a big doctrine. It's a wonderful doctrine. It's all throughout the Bible, but it is not the cornerstone of our faith. All right. That's good. Okay. So verse seven. Now we're moving on. (laughs) (laughs) We can take a deep breath now. Okay. (laughs) So verse seven through uh, through 10. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. I'm really feeling the run on sentence. I'm like having the... Like take breath off Paul. Put, put a period in there, buddy. <laughs> so here we see this is talking about Jesus. And so we see this part of the Trinity, the Son, he accomplishes. Mm-hmm. He accomplishes our redemption. And here's where we see like the very clear gospel. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Um and it goes on with that long sentence. But the the point is that, you know, this is rooting us again in the gospel. And I, I always love to come back to this mm-hmm. um, Tim Keller d- definition of the gospel where he says, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. And I really think, I don't know if this is where Tim Keller got this from, but I feel like he probably got it from this passage yeah. because I feel like that's exactly what, what, what it's talking about. Um, and if you are new to this idea of the gospel, like it might be confusing that it, it talks about through his blood. And so um, our sin as sinners, like we said, we, it requires a blood sacrifice and atonement, a cost that we couldn't pay. And um, so God sent Jesus, the spotless lamb, to die for all of our sin and to redeem us to himself. And this was all planned before the foundation of the world. And I think that the fact that it says that it was all planned before the foundation of the world, that makes a, a big difference. And I, I, there's this funny grocery store analogy. I'm not sure where I got this. might have been from that doctrine theology class. But this that phrase we might think of it, oh, yeah, I was chosen for the foundation of the world, but what does that actually mean for me today? And so I heard this story. It was like, okay, you know how you go to the grocery store and you, like, buy all – you, so you go for milk or whatever. Mm-hmm. You get your milk, and then you go to check out, and they're like, anything else? And you're like, oh, those mints look kind of good, and you mm-hmm. grab the mints. Like, we sometimes fall into this thought that, oh, we're the mints in this situation. Like, God had this purpose in creating – earth and then at the last minute he was like oh I guess I'll save Casey like or something like that like oh I guess she's pretty cool (laughs) and and that's not that's not how God works like we're not the mints in this situation something to change his mind right like yeah right it was like no you this was planned from Mm -hmm. before the foundation of the earth and so so don't be thinking you're the mints that's the mints that's the the point of that story (laughs) you're the milk um yeah yeah so (laughs) 
was a little tangent. <laughs> yeah. So I liked, um, I was looking at some of the meanings of the word redemption, and it means to be bought out of slavery. And I like that because if we go back to Old Testament, we can think about the Israelites and how um, God rescued them out of slavery, out of Egypt. And so we can see this parallel to to everything that we see in the Old Testament. And now Jesus pulling us out of slavery as well, just like he did with the Israelites. And and just a reminder in that verse 7 where it says, according to the riches of his grace, this is reminding us it's not because of anything we've done. Um, and we'll talk about this more, even more in chapter 2 um, with some of those verses that you probably know off the top of your head. But um, just, just a reminder that it's not about anything we've done. And then this phrase, I loved this. So I've read this a million times. And this one time I read it, this these one, two, three, four, five words just stuck out to me like like I had never read them before. So at the end of verse eight, where it says he lavished them upon us in all wisdom and insight. And for, excuse me for my Christianese, but like it just totally wrecked me because in my mind, I know God knows all things. Mm -hmm. But the fact that he chose us before the foundation of the world, knowing exactly where I was going to fail, knowing exactly how I would sin. And that to me is just shows the depths of his love because it wasn't like he chose us and then was like, I hope it works out like yeah. in all wisdom and insight. And this is, this is a dumb fun story, but I, I, one of the reasons this sticks out so much to me is that I remember when I was little and this was like, I, I don't know. I feel like it was when the internet was just becoming a thing, it but was. maybe it was. Okay. Yeah. And I loved the band Hanson. Oh, I did too. I'm pretty I sure. I went to a everybody. concert. <sighs> It That's was incredible. Fun. That's fun. I was in the nosebleed seats, but it was still incredible. <laughs> they still tour and stuff. I know. That's they came crazy. to Austin like last year. We <gasps> should have gone. I think your sister went. Kate, did you go? Oh, maybe let us she know. Did. I think she did. Maybe she did. <laughs> okay. Anyways, so I loved this band. And so I remember going on the computer and like I must have somehow gone to their website. I don't even know. I was pretty little. And I must have been like, I don't know, nine, eight or nine or something like Cadence's age. And oh gosh, I crazy. wrote an email. And in the email, I, like, still have so much, like, guilt and shame over this. In the email, <laughs> I wrote, I think you're sexy. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and my parents, they obviously, it was their computer, it was their email, so they must have gotten some kind of, like, response or something. And funny. they found out, and they, you know, talked to me about it, and they they handled it well. They didn't do anything wrong, but I just remember feeling so much guilt and shame. And I remember thinking, oh, they're not going to love me as much, which obviously my parents are wonderful. They still <laughs> love me exactly the same. Um, but I remember thinking that, like, I let them down. They're going to regret having me, like these huge thoughts. And of course, that didn't change their love for me or they're anything regret like that. having you because you said the word sexy. Yes, that was a bad <laughs> word. Um, but in that moment, like, just that thought that, God knew that was that I was going to fall and I was going to sin in that way. And yet he still mm -hmm. loved me enough to choose me before the foundation of the earth. And same with my parents. They didn't choose to love me any less right. just because I failed in that way. And I think now as a mom, like I can totally get that, that if, you know, if my kids do something wrong, I'm not like looking down at them and being like, oh, wish you wish you weren't born. Like, yeah. obviously not. That's right. crazy. Right. Um, so anyways, I just think that that phrase, like he chose us in all wisdom and insight is so encouraging to us and and doesn't excuse sin or you know condone sin or make less of sin but really just encourages us to then come to repentance and we're freely able to do that because we know that God 
already knows. Right, right. And as a mom, um, I think there's just greater meaning to that now, too. Like you said, I mean, we think about how much we love our children and how much we would choose them over and over and over again. So think about how much more our Heavenly Father loves us and would choose us over and over again. And, you know, it comes back to the same grocery store announcement. Mm -hmm. Announcement? Analogy. Analogy. (laughs) It's not like God's like, oh, those mints weren't good. I wish I didn't grab them. Exactly. Like, it was before the foundation Mm -hmm. of the world. Okay, so we see in um, these verses, we see Paul use the word mystery, and I'm going to give you a little preview into what that is, because I was like, what does this mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that, and I think Erin alluded a, a little, oh, she did. She alluded to this at the very beginning about how sometimes we see something and it's like, you might not understand what he's talking about, but if you just hang on a little bit, Paul uh-huh. will explain. And he actually goes in to explain this um, more in chapter three, but the mystery that he's referring to is actually the inclusion of Gentiles in God's new society on equal terms with the Jews. Mm-hmm. So in case you're reading that and it's like what's this mystery he's talking about and it's not in your notes or anything that's the mystery he's talking about Mm -hmm. and then I also like that um I'm I said that the son that Jesus is the one that accomplishes our salvation Mm -hmm. and so it's good for us to remember that there's nothing left for us Mm -hmm. to accomplish Mm -hmm. that on the cross Jesus said it is finished and I've said this before on here but I always thought that meant he was saying, okay, I'm dying now. Mm. That's not what he was saying. He was saying it's done. The work has been done. It's accomplished. Mm. And so like we were just talking about, like we don't have to work for our salvation. It's not about anything we do. Jesus has accomplished it for us. That's good. The gospel saves you and the gospel keeps you. It sure does. So moving on, verse 11 through 14. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined, there's that word again, according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So here we see the third part of the Trinity. We see that the Holy Spirit applies Christ's work to us. Another word um, that's actually in this uh, in these verses is that he seals uh-huh. um, the work in us. Yeah, that word um, sealed with the Holy Spirit is the root word is sfragazzo, fragizzo. I remember that one because it was so fun. Sfragizzo. <laughs> Sounds like you. Italian, so I probably don't have the right emphasis there. But um, And what yeah. that means is to confirm or to authenticate or to, pl- this is my favorite definition, to place beyond doubt. And then it even says um, for security from Satan. So it's reminding us that, you know, it's not like Casey said, it's not like, oh, we have this salvation and then we have to keep working for it or anything. It's it's secure and it's even secure from Satan. Like Satan can't come and take that from you, mm-hmm. um, which is really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when you think about a seal, like um, I think we talked about this some when we were going through Genesis, but kind of that, um, that like signet ring mm-hmm. of a, of a king, yeah. you put your seal on it or mm-hmm. even like they would put their seal like on their cattle. Like we have been basically branded in yeah. Christ. Yeah. Um, and then our inheritance, what is our inheritance? And it's salvation, eternity with God in heaven. And I also read that this can also be flip-flopped and it can say that we are God's inheritance. Mm. And so so it can be kind of used in both ways. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because we are his chosen yeah. children. Yeah. Okay, uh, verses 
15 through 23. Yeah, this is a big section. But this is one um, prayer altogether. Mm -hmm. So you can think of it as that as I read it. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he who worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above the rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So now through this, um, now we've seen both praise. The mm-hmm. first part of the chapter is is Paul praising the Lord mm-hmm. for who he is and for what he's done. And now we're seeing this prayer. So we're seeing adoration and supplication. And mm-hmm. it's important to remember that um, that we have both of these. And we've talked about this when we talked about prayer before, that it's important to praise God for who he is. But then it's also important to, to ask him for things yeah. and to bring our desires to him. So it's important that we have both of those as a balance in our in our Christian life. So we see in this prayer, just like we saw in the first part of um the chapter, we also see that this prayer is very Trinitarian. So we see the three parts of the Trinity. We see where he talks about the Father. He talks about the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we also see where he says, he may give you the spirit of wisdom, of revelation, and the knowledge of him. So we're seeing um, how he talks about the Spirit, too, and enlightening our hearts. And um, also, I like how, once again, this just brings out something that we've talked about a whole lot on this podcast, but it's that balance between between um, knowledge and faith and how our faith, um, we can't have one without the mm, other. You know, one of our favorite quotes is, um, Jen Wilkin, the heart cannot love what the mind does not know. And so knowing God is such an important piece to to our faith. And then if all we have is that knowledge, but then we don't have the faith, that's not good either. And so it's it's so very important to have both pieces of the puzzle. Uh, the the puzzle in our Christian life. That's good. So we've talked about a lot of big things today, um, some heavy topics. And um, as always, our prayer is that, you know, this thing kind of inspires you, encourages you to dig deeper into things that um, the Lord has put on your heart through this chapter. Um, so if if the, he has and you want some more resources, we have talked about a few of them. Another good one is Systematic Theology, um, Wayne Grudem's. He also has it on a podcast um, that you can look at the book or listen to the podcast. We'll link that John Piper sermon, um, Alive in Him by Gloria Furman. We'll link that Ferguson um, sermon as well. Any other resources? Um, the, yeah, the John Stott book. Did you already say that? Mm-mm. The John Stott book. Um and then always, I didn't really talk about it specifically, but whenever you're talking about any doctrines, I always like to refer people to yeah. the um, Essential Truths of the Christian Faith, R.C. Sproul. Um, yeah. I, oh, there was a really good sermon. I pulled a lot. I didn't even end up mentioning his name, but I pulled a lot from there was a sermon. Uh, J.T. English from the Village Church has a really good sermon on the first part of Ephesians 1. Um, so I'll link that mm-hmm. as well because mm-hmm. it was very, very good. Um yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, again, remembering as we study this that we are 
chosen um, because of his love and for his glory. So hopefully that's an encouragement to you throughout this week. Um, We thought we'd end each week with saying what was kind of our favorite little nugget from this chapter and then giving you um, the memory verse for the next chapter. So what was your favorite part of chapter one, Casey? So I really think my favorite part were just those uh, verses three through 14, just and hammering home the gospel mm-hmm. and hammering home how much God loves us and just the redeeming work of Christ. And it's just a good reminder, yeah. just a good reminder of our foundation. Yeah, I, I would probably say the same thing, maybe for a little bit different reason. I mean, same reason, obviously, for the gospel, but I really just need sometimes to be reminded that, you know, we were chosen before the foundation of the world with all wisdom and insight. Like, so God's not going to change his mind. He's not going to be happy or or regret his decision. It's all about his love and his glory. And so I think anytime I start to doubt like, oh, is God regretting the fact that he chose me or, oh, is my salvation really sealed by the Holy Spirit? Like just coming back to these verses is such an encouragement and a good foundation to come back to when you're doubting anything about the gospel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, we, didn't dive in super deep into that last, the last like seven verses. So if you want to just spend some time this week, um, studying those verses and also maybe spend some time praying through them yeah. because this is a prayer. And so spend some time praying through them. Um, I think that would be really, really good. Yeah. And next week, um, we're going to be covering chapter two. Yes. Okay. I didn't know if we were going to do two and three or just Oh, two. maybe two and three. <laughs> maybe. We'll see. It'll be a surprise. We'll see. Surprise. <laughs> um, but our memory verse for next week is chapter two. Um, most of the time we would uh, automatically assume it's going to be five through eight because as we'll talk about, those are the most known verses. But um, my personal favorite from chapter two is actually verse 10 where it says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. If you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes, and most importantly, share with a friend. The beautiful music that you've heard on this episode today is by the incredibly talented Katie Cobb.